It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Welcome, welcome, everyone. You are on the Sharks Audio Network, and we are getting ready for tonight's game against Minnesota at the Tank. To uh, talk all things San Jose Sharks, we are now joined by Curtis Pashelka of Bay Area News Group. Curtis, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well. Just... Uh, you know, uh, dealing with the latest uh, atmospheric river or pineapple express. And I, I think it's funny that like there was a joke about guys coming to the sharks, like, Oh, you'll love the great winter weather. And it's actually been like for the first time, a, a real California winter in the Bay area for the first time in about a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> has this misconception that, you know, you come to California, even if it's uh, December or January and uh, you know, it's beach weather and stuff like that, but <laughs> you get a little, Splash of reality as soon as you uh, as soon as you land, it's like oh, it's kind of like it's got a little drizzly out there, and a little <laughs> miserable. But yeah, yeah. But you know what? You don't need to shovel rain. No, that's a you very know? good that's a very good point. And I will I will tell the Sharks front <laughs> office to use that as part of their pitch. Like you don't need to shovel rain, which is uh, <laughs> uh, that's that that type of life. Uh, you know, I am California soft, but it's something that I really have a hard time wrapping my head around. But anyway, no one wants to hear about how weak I am. But uh, so, you know, we're we're on the other side of the trade deadline at, at this point. So I just now that all the dust has settled, what is your 30,000 foot view of everything that went down around the deadline, including Nieto, including Benino, including Timo and, you know, AC Mon and everything that we saw? Like where where does Curtis see it all at this point? Well, you know, I, I think it was just a situation with with the, the season that the Sharks had that they, you know, didn't really have much choice in the matter as far as what they did in terms of trading the players they did. Um, you know, at the start of the season, there's a lot of speculation about Timo Meyer, where, where his future lied, whether, um, you know, if, if the Sharks were going to try to extend him uh, and make him, uh, you know, give him another long-term contract, uh, what Mike Greer's thinking was in terms of that and, and in terms of maybe a couple other players on this team. So, you know, nothing, nothing terribly surprised. I guess, I guess I was a little surprised, um, you know, when, when Mikey Isima was, was traded because we all mm -hmm. thought at the time, well, he's a pending restricted free agent, you know, he's still under team control, but we weren't aware at the time that he was actually a, a group could be, a, would, would be a group six free agent, um, you know, if he had stayed with the Sharks. So uh, at the end of the year, so, uh, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, in time we'll, we'll, we'll see how these trades worked out particularly the Timo Meyer trade if that's something that um you know has benefited the Sharks in the long term I don't I'm not going to sit here and say it was a good trade and a bad trade or what you got you got to wait until these guys pan out and yeah. you know two or three years from down the line then you can make an accurate um assessment of of, of how good uh the Sharks did at the trade deadline but you know right now I don't I, you know it's just uh, they, they did what they felt they needed to do they, they added a couple of high draft picks. They added a couple of prospects on the, on the backside. 
Um, so, you know, it's, uh, I, I wasn't terribly surprised by all any of the moves that, that Mike Greer made here, uh, uh, before, uh, before last Friday. Mike Greer, when asked about what this was, um, you know, the R word rebuild, reset, restart, you know, he seemed to argue that it was somewhat of semantics. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where do you come down on that? Well, you know, it's, it's my, my feeling is that I don't think when you talk about rebuild, sort of that whole, uh, what it implies is that you're tearing it down to the studs and starting over. And I don't think, I mean, just given the contracts that the Sharks have right now, that they're really interested in doing that. I don't think, I don't think Sharks ownership uh, is interested in, in, in doing something along those lines, even though some fans might be uh, saying that's the way to go. I don't, um, I don't think Hossel Plotner has much interest in, in a full teardown and, uh, you know, just getting, uh, just collecting draft picks uh, one after the other for the next two or three years. I think the hope is the Sharks can can see some, make some progress next year and then build on that going forward. Um, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure, but I think that's the, that's the organization's view anyway. And so you, when you use a word like rebuild, um, you know, the definition of that is can vary from person to person, but I think Mike Greer sees that as a, as a term that means you're going to, you're going to, you're going to strip it right down and, and start from scratch. And I don't think that, that that's what he, he's interested in. I don't know if that's Mike, what I don't think that's what Hostel Plotner is interested in. So um, from his perspective, anyway, I think he just wants to, you know, try to get this team back into position where it can compete again uh, sometime there in the, you know, soon rather than later, I guess. When asked about a timeline, Greer wouldn't give anything specific. And he said that, you know, he didn't think that giving a, a number would behoove him. And I, and I agree. I don't, you know, there's, it's too hard to know. But I think another aspect of that is what you just brought up with Hasso Plotner is that how patient is Hasso? Like how, because we don't, we don't have a clear idea of how long this is going to take. No, no. And, and you know, he's seen his team miss the playoffs four years in a row now. And he is, He's still inherently, you know, from everything we have, we we know, um, you know, he's still passionately involved in and in seeing this team uh, have some success. He's not the youngest of men anymore. You know, he wants to uh, see this team sort of be back where it was, you know, four, five, six years ago, or as regularly competing for a playoff spot and, and a Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, I, I think from his perspective, it's just a situation where. You know, and 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 you know, running from a competitive standpoint, but I think just from a business standpoint too. Like, you know, I don't know if this is a market that can really, um, you know, stomach another three, four years without making the playoffs. I mean, you know, to be honest, it's just like you've got so many other options to spend your money here. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you really want to come to the uh, an arena where um, it's just there's there's just not much hope for. Uh, a team that's going to contend for a playoff spot. So I think I figure the business aspect, um, you know, figures into this. And I think the, uh, uh, you know, the personal aspect to just competitive guy that also Plotner is, I don't think he wants to, to see this, uh, you know, drag on for another three or four years. He'd like to see it's a team that, you know, people can be excited about kind of going forward anyway. So do you still think it's reasonable to, cause I know that, I made the comparison, the the lazy sports talk comparison to saying, hey, the Niners got it going under Shanahan and Lynch in year three. So, I mean, is that is that still a realistic expectation? Do you think that's out there that, you know, like you alluded to, 
maybe not be in the playoffs next year, but put something together and then build upon it. Do you, I mean, do you think playoffs and, you know, an, another year after next is a realistic expectation or is it too hard to even predict that far out? It's a little hard to predict that, that far out, but, you know, I will give the Sharks credit in that they've, they started to lay, you know, the groundwork for, for something to happen along those lines. Whereas, you know, two or three years ago, um, you know, we weren't sure what the direction was going to be. Uh, now it seems that at least there's there's a plan in place and uh, for at least a, a way uh, for the Sharks to sort of come out of this malaise and, and be a better team going, you know, in the next two or three years, you know, they still have some major questions to answer. Who, who's who's going to be their long-term goalie? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the, you know, what, what, what kind of people, what, what does this defense look like? In, in two or three years, you know, who's going to be the, the, the young up and comers who can really help turn this team around. Um, all the, all those questions are kind of, you know, still a little bit up in the air, but, you know, I think from the Sharks perspective, they've, 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 they've tried to sort of, you know, lay a foundation, lay the groundwork for, for something like that to happen and, you know, whether it pounds out or not, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, um, you know, I think at least from, from their perspective, they, they, they try to, uh, they're trying to at least, put themselves in a position where they can be better in, in two or three years. The interesting quote that we got from Greer was saying that he wasn't always going to flip it for picks. And I think that's, that's the one takeaway that I have. And I, I mean, you can say that it was a red herring or you can say he was saying it just to put it out there. But I thought that was maybe low key. One of the things that went kind of under the radar and really makes me wonder what they're going to do in this off season, because what we saw just now I mean, there was there was a lot of change that happened in the last couple of weeks, and then what we're seeing in the summer, in in theory, I mean, it could be more big time changes to this roster. Oh, for sure, and you know, I think if 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 the Sharks wanted it to be, or or thought this this would be more of a longer process prospect or process, uh, then yeah, I think Mike Greer would have been okay with with flipping Timo Meyer um, for just a bunch of picks or maybe one or two younger players to, to go with that. Um, but he wants, um, you know, he, he, he purposely wanted to get guys who were earlier in the early twenties to sort of help uh, turn the thing, turn things around here in the next, the next couple of years, um, you know, in terms of the roster, you know, trades, buyouts, uh, these are all on the table uh, going forward for the Sharks. You know, Mike Gert, you know, has to do what he feels is best for the, and the best, you know, long-term interest of the organization. And so he doesn't necessarily have, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, the, the ties or is connected to some of these players and their contracts as maybe the, the Doug Wilson was uh, in prior years. So, I mean, it's, we'll see what happens. I mean, there are ways to sort of, you know, turn, turn things around and, you know, at least get things going in the right direction from a financial standpoint, a cap standpoint, um, and I think that's going to be a big thing in the, for this organization in the offseason is what they do, sort of try to help clear a little cap space going forward. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what uh, what that all entails. But, you know, I think it is uh, it is going to be another interesting offseason for the Sharks, for sure. While we look at the future, what have you thought of William Eklund in the couple of games that he's been up now? You know, I, I think, you know, you see the growth a little bit from, from last year. Obviously, he's he's added some muscle to his, to his frame. I think he's, you know, much more, much more ready to sort of play at this level long-term than he was a year ago. Um, 
you know, I, I so I, I think it was the right move for the Sharks to sort of start him, start his year in the American League, let him get used to this program pro game on, on the smaller ice surface again. Um, build him build some confidence. And then when he gets here, um, you know, you can stay here. You know, I don't know if he's gonna stay with the Sharks uh throughout for the rest of the season, but I think the Sharks feel better that he's gonna be a guy that breaks camp with the Sharks next season mm-hmm. and stays with them all year. So I mean, still to be seen, but I think the Sharks feel that, you know, he's in a better position to succeed now uh than he was uh, you know, if he had if he had stayed uh with the team uh from the start of the season. Yeah, and I, I also go back to what Greer said about making guys earn it. And I'm sure that he's probably trying to maybe play I don't know. I'm trying not to be inflammatory in this sense, but like he might be trying to play that game with a Thomas Bordalo of making him want it that much more because he saw his teammate get the call, even though earlier in the year it was it was Bordalo who was having you know the more um, exciting season, and William came on strong as of late. And I think that's probably not a bad thing to make those guys want it as opposed to thinking they deserve it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's 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 sort of a, a tendency to say, okay, well this guy's out of the picture now and automatically you bring up, uh, you know, a prospect like, uh, uh, you know, like a Borlo or another winger or another defenseman, um, you know, to sort of, sort of, uh, you know, uh, go forward here. But yeah, you're, I mean, I think they, they have to, they have to earn their way up here. Um, you know, they have to uh, compete to, to stay up here. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's certainly part of it as well. You want to sort of have that kind of accountability and, and to, to sort of, uh, you know, let pe- let other guys in the locker room too know that, you know, these guys aren't just coming up here because there's their turn. They, they got to come up here and they got to make their way and earn their way in to stay. And what do you so- think of Tomas Hurdle this year and the fact that he's had two, for him, long extended goal droughts? And it seems like he's heating up once again, but do we chalk this up to young family and down year and maybe over overall aberration or what do we make of it? I think, I think it's, it's two things. You know, I think his confidence can, can waver a little bit, even at, even at his age right now, 28 years old, uh, 28, 29 years old. He, he's a guy who's still, you know, when he's, when he's feeling good, um, you know, he's feeling good because you can yeah. see it on his face and reflects in his play. And he's not feeling good. Same thing. You can kind of see the the frustration mounts, and you know the puck's not going to find the way in the back of the net. You know, passes aren't where they should be. The power play obviously has gone through some major issues all all season long. So, um, you know that that's that all kind of plays into it too. Yeah, when he became just a father again, you know, we don't know what some of these guys go through off the ice, the stresses they they, they face, mm-hmm. and whether or not that that plays a role, um, you know, going forward here, but. But uh, you know, I think he's obviously got to be a huge, huge piece for this team going forward if they do hope to turn things around. And you know, in the next couple of years, he's got to be, still be playing at a high level, and he's got to be a guy that helps the young guys along while also maintaining his own confidence. And I think that's that's a big thing for him going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true. Like you can see the joy kind of be effervescent for him when he's playing that way and having that high level of success. It's very different than Logan Couture who. I think sometimes, you know, after a game in the dressing room after a loss, we can tell he's pissed off, but the Logan Couture playing on the ice when he's in a hot streak or not is pretty much, you know, it's the same body language, which, you know, like you said, we don't know what's going on 
um, behind the scenes for all these guys. I wanted to touch on that goalie situation because it's, you know, Capo Kakinen, I, I think at times he's been in the wrong start. Like I'm not trying to absolve him, but sometimes I've watched it and it's been like, well, I'm sure he wishes he had a better defensive effort in front of him tonight. But then other times it's like, I kind of think he should have stopped that one. So do we say the truth of his game is somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, you look at his save percentage now with this season with the Sharks and it's nowhere close to what he had with, with Minnesota. And even last year when he came over in the last few games of the season with the Sharks, uh, he was still putting up pretty good numbers. So I don't think he's necessarily forgotten how to play the position. It's just, you know, you look at, you know, tactically, in my opinion, and, you know, this is just me talking, but uh, the way that the Sharks play now is as opposed to the way they, the Minnesota Wild have, have played in recent years. And even when the Sharks played last year towards the end of last season, more of a conservative checking style, um, the, the way the Sharks play now, it, you, it does rely, you have to rely on your goalies uh, more uh, to sort of make, make those type of saves. And that doesn't always happen for, for a couple this year. And you know, he, he February was a pretty good month for him. Uh, obviously, these last two games for him have not been up to snuff, and that's something that the Sharks really have to examine this offseason. Like, what's how much is on the goalies, and mm-hmm. how much is on the, uh, the way they play? I think they know that they have to make some changes in, in net, um, you know, as far as who's back and who, who they bring in, but they also have to examine, you know, what are they giving themselves the best chance of success with the roster that they have, and you know, that's. Uh, you know, something the organization's really going to have to sort of take a look at is, you know, if their style of play matches up with the roster that that they that they have, and you know, that's that's uh, maybe part of the maybe part of the uh, the autopsy of this season is how they examine that. And then as a final one for you, Eric Carlson, as he's now exceeded his you know, all-time season point total, and we've got quite a few games left. I mean, how much? From your perspective of being being the journalist and talking about a season like this, does it give it more weight that it's on a bad team? Does it give it less weight that it's on a bad team? Like when you look back on what you've seen from him this year in 5, 10, 15 years, do you think it'll resonate as more and or less? Probably more. Um, you know, because you, like you're right, like the record can overshadow uh, the, the individual, the incredible individual season that, that he's having right now. And, and I don't know if, 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 if that's going to be fully appreciated right away, or if that's going to, you look back like, Oh my God, this guy had a hundred points on the team that, uh, you know, finished uh, next to last in the overall standings. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. I, I don't know if, if that's ever been kind of been done before, but um, you know, that when, when the team hasn't have a, doesn't have great success, I think that's, that's something that can get lost, but you know, um, so I don't know. I mean, this is, this is a, you know, the, the Eric Carlson's having an incredible season, the way he's led this offense, he's contributed over well over 40% of all the, the team's goals. He's either score or assisted on well over, uh, of the sharks, uh, you know, 40% of the sharks goals, uh, so far this season. So you put that in perspective, that's like Bobby Orr numbers from yeah. back in the day. So, um, you know, that's, that's uh, something that I think will be appreciated in time, but maybe not right away. Again, that is Curtis Pashelka of Bay Area News Group, who covers the Sharks and has been for years. A thank you to him for joining us as always. 
We are just about out of time, but be sure to join us at 7 o'clock tonight for live pregame coverage with Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin as they get you ready for the Sharks and the Wild. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yang.